Welcome, everybody, to the premiere episode of the Journeyman Fire Podcast. My name is Kyle Tamsing. I'm with the Newport News Fire Department. Uh, we have alongside we have Grant Schwalbe from the Estero Fire Department in Florida. So is it Fire Rescue or Fire Department, Grant? Fire Rescue. Fire Rescue, my bad. Uh, and then we have Andrew Zisk, who's also in Newport News Fire Department with me on Company 2A. Um, so we're going to kick it off, do a little intro about ourselves. Grant's up first, so why don't you tell everybody about yourself, Grant? Uh, so I, I, probably one of the rare ones. I've wanted to be a fireman since I was a little kid. Uh, I used to chase my uh, chase the fire trucks around on my bike. I grew up in a small town just outside of Toledo, Ohio, uh, Perrysburg. Um, I started in high school. I got involved in the Explorers through a Rossford Fire Department. And then uh, once I turned 18, I joined the Volunteer Fire Department uh, with Perrysburg. Uh, they're a combination. So uh, that was in 95. Uh, went to medic school and took a bunch of fire classes. Ended up getting hired full-time with them. Um, did a few years with them and then uh, met my wife and she dragged me uh, to Florida. Uh, not such a bad move, but I got hired with the Ferro Fire Rescue in 2003. We got four stations, uh, about 50 guys on the line, and um, I spent about two years there before I got promoted. And uh, so I promoted pretty quick with the Ferro, and I've been a lieutenant on Engine 43 since 2005. So, uh, I got plugged in with some really good people. Uh, we did a lot of training in Florida. We're pretty pretty blessed to have Fort, Lauder, Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo and, and uh, Orlando Fire Conference where you get a lot of good hands-on stuff. And and uh, I had a couple of my chiefs took me to FDIC uh, where my mind was just blown. And, um, you know, I could actually talk to all these legends of the fire service and really pick their brain and stuff. And uh, that's kind of it. I've kind of been... Uh, just just uh totally immersed in it from the get go. All right. Well, I guess I'm up next. Uh I've been in the fire service for about fifteen years. I started as a volunteer. I started out originally uh in college, uh kind of just running around a firehouse in uh Newark, Delaware. Ended up volunteering and uh at James City Bruton Volunteer Fire Department in Tuana, Virginia. Uh, did that for a while. It took me about three times to get hired with Newport News. It was the only fire department I applied for. Um, at the end, it's been pretty good. I've been here for about 10 years. Was promoted about a year and a half ago to lieutenant. And right now I'm on what I consider the best uh, engine company in the city and definitely on the best shift. Got a, a group of hard chargers that, that I'm blessed to work with. Uh, started teaching probably six years ago. We, uh, we made a couple guys, created a company, um, that kind of fizzled out. Not everybody, uh, understood the grind they were, they were in for. And I was lucky to be picked up with, with another couple guys with Sean Donovan from Boston and Marcus Bush from St. Andrews, which is just, uh, just outside of Charleston, South Carolina. And then, uh, kind of got into that whole <laughs> thing with FDIC and with the hot class last year and a couple lectures. And of course, at, at, uh, Andy Frederick's training days. Uh, my youth, I was, I was around the firehouse a lot. We did a lot of those, you know, poster campaigns and all that stuff at school. And we lived not far from the volunteer firehouse in Mercer County, New Jersey. And we'd hear the, the siren every time they got a call, you know, the call throughout the town. Um, and I think that always kind of made me want to be a fireman and never really knew it until I got older and, and realized college wasn't for me and failed out of college. 
Uh, luckily, my mom pointed me in the right direction. Right after 9-11, she bought me that book, Firehouse, um, and, and kind of said, you know, maybe this is something you need to look into. And, and it kind of spurred my interest in the fire department, and things went from there. Uh, so, you know, it's not one of those always wanted to do it, kind of stumbled into it, and really found a passion for it. So you know, I'm happy I ended up where I'm at. So how about you, Ziff? What's your history and uh, all that information and fun stuff about you? Yeah, uh, pretty similar uh, to you guys, obviously. Uh, I don't think we'd be here together. Uh, pretty similar to Grant. Grew up a uh, small town outside of Syracuse, New York, uh, in Fairmount. Uh, my father's been volunteering there for over 40 years. Uh, really the only thing I knew growing up, uh, the one went off, his page went off, and I hopped on my huffy, and I chased him as fast as I sit up the street. Um trying to get to the firehouse and walk up the trucks, run down the street. Um, and I just really never gave that up. Um, tried to get hired in Syracuse a couple times. Every time took the test. I uh, got my results and just didn't want to wait uh, another couple of years to hear if I was going to move on. So uh packed the car and took every test I could from basically just north of Syracuse to all the way down to North Carolina line. Uh, got further certifications and ended up in uh, Newport News 2011. So I got hired January of 11. Started my volunteer career in 2003 uh, back in Fairmount. Um, I can't say enough about that place. It's one of the best fire departments in the country in terms of uh, tactics and brotherhood and tradition, all that good stuff up there. So uh, it was hard leaving that place. Um, but midway down to Newport News in 2011, I've been here almost eight years. Uh, again, like Kyle said, working on, uh, sending on the day, um, you know, one of the best engines in the city, uh, definitely the best shift. And, um, from there, since we've been down here, I've been lucky to get around with some good guys, some good mentors of mine, been able to do some training myself, uh, doing some engine classes, um, some force French entry classes as well. And then, of course, tagging along with you, Kyle, uh, FJSC last year. Uh, it was a great experience. So. I'm just uh, just looking forward to get this whole thing started. See if we can learn from some other folks. So, if I get this right, just you're the only second generation firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Our, um, Grant, what did you what did you do before the fire department? What jobs did you hold before the fire department? Uh, I was a dishwasher, a cook, a uh, seven up stocker, um, and my frustration. Uh, you know, Toledo was civil service based and, uh, you know, it didn't matter whether I had my, you know, my medic and my fire certification. I just couldn't, uh, test high enough to get on. And, um, I ended up leaving 7 Up and started to do fire extinguishers, which was a little closer to being a, you know, a career <laughs> firefighter. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I tried to just hustle anything I could fire. Private ambulance uh, worked on a life squad ten out of Springfield until uh, until the fire gig came up. So nice. How about you, Ziff? Um, I worked for something actually. Um, I moved down to New York City after college for uh, nine months. I took the NYPD test and then I did a little more research and realized I didn't think that was going to be for me. Uh, I thought I could ladder over to FDNY. Um, the NYPD test, and then I, I decided to move back home just so I'd get a more stable environment and then uh, just take more tests. Obviously, cost of living was outrageous there. Um, got in contact with a buddy of mine at a volunteer company next to us. They bought a, a tower and a pumper from Sutton, reached out to the local dealer, and I started working for him. And it was one of the best experiences, uh, you know, I had in just in terms of understanding the fire service better. Um, I was able to drive fire trucks from 
Alabama to New Jersey, uh, you know, Tennessee to New York. I uh, drove to Ohio a lot. We did a lot of traveling. I uh, learned a lot about the rigs um, that has certainly helped me out, um, you know, with what, you know, my career today in driving and understanding how these things work and how they're put together. Um, you know, I think most guys just hop on the rig and expect it to be perfect, and I don't understand all that goes into it. Um, and I can certainly sympathize uh, with Grant as well, you know, trying to get hired back home and, you know, it wasn't working. I just tried to do everything I could, any kind of angle I could to get myself more immersed, uh, you know, in the fire service. So I was fortunate uh, to work for Sutton for all those years. That's pretty cool. Did you do any of the conference shows when you were working for Sutton? Yeah, we made our way out to FDIC one year, and that was the company, Sutton Corporation, uh, to what I remember, didn't pay for us to go out there. So, you know, it was kind of on the dealer to do it. So uh, we went out for a couple of days on the show floor. 2009, I think, but yeah, we did New York State Association of Fire Chiefs show every year. That's, you know, the biggest one in New York and one of the bigger ones in the Northeast. Made to Harrisburg for a year. Um, you know, kind of got them to understand that, that show environment from the vendor's, uh, standpoint. Um, but I was lucky to go to those great shows. Harrisburg is a fantastic show. Uh, New York State Fire Chiefs is a great show and FDIC is obviously, you know, the Super Bowl of all of those. So, uh, really fortunate to be able to make it out to all of those. That's pretty cool. Now I've I've been in long enough to your entire career, and I've always noticed that you kind of have a, a probably a better universal scope of the fire service. Um, you know, some guys really don't get that it's bigger than just their station or their department, um, and I think that limits their ability to understand training wise or kind of get the big picture. Do you feel that going to those shows gave you that kind of bigger picture and kind of helped your development earlier in your career? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and a big thing for me was you just understanding how that works, what's behind that pump panel, how this truck is built, um, even just looking at the tires, looking at, um, you know, how they lay out stuff in the, on the doghouse, you know, are you doing interior compartments, uh, are you putting all your seats backwards, what kind of air pack brackets are you using, um, life bar packages, are you doing a front intake, uh, it's got all that stuff. And just looking at walking around to other people's booths, you could kind of see, you know, how people were selling these things. Were they really just trying to sell you something or there's some, because there's certain folks that were in the fire service that understood, understood the fire service. And then there's some folks that were just salesmen. And um, you could look at certain products, for me at least, and I could say, all right, you know, that's gimmicky or, hey, they're just trying to sell something. Or, hey, what's, what's behind that, that curtain that you guys aren't, you know, you're telling me this is the greatest <coughs> forceful entry tool or it's the greatest air pack or it's the greatest helmet known to man, but what's, What's really behind it? Where are you guys making these things? What kind of products are you guys using? You know, what are the customers saying of, you know, about you guys? So, um, yeah, I've been super fortunate to have that experience prior. So I guess along those lines, having, having a deep knowledge base, uh, you know, particularly in engines before you got on the department, and this goes for you too, Kyle, having come someplace before the place you ended up, did you ever feel like, when you came in, people weren't giving you the full story or they didn't really know the full story when they were trying to teach you as a new person where you currently are? Uh, for, for me, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, think, um, I think that's something I, I care with me too and I go to talk to a, a new guy. Um, you know, I kind of preface it or, or end it with, hey, you know, I don't know everything. Hey, look, you know, this is what I remember. This is what I've seen. This is my experience. This is what I read in the book. Please check behind me. Um, here's some other resources that go out and fact check me. Here's the websites I usually get my stuff from. Here's the books I've read from. 
Um, but yeah, there's certainly some folks. It 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 kind of sucks too because you you want to take in all the information and you just don't know some of these folks early on in your career and they're easily moldable um, at that that age or that time of your career and you know are you giving bad information and sometimes you kind of have your your senses are kind of aware to hey is this guy telling me the right thing I don't know um, yeah you, you kind of just have to be keen to that but I think the way to approach it is hey you know if you're teaching at least hey I don't know everything as to what I do know but Maybe there's dozens of resources that I frequent um, that have helped me out. Hopefully, they can help you out, too, and you can fact-check behind me. What, what do you think, Kyle? Uh, I, I agree uh, a lot with this. Unfortunately, I didn't have much experience with the fire service beyond just kind of running around and, you know, running fans to the door with, with no firefighter one and two before I got on paid and started really getting into the job. Um, so... With the way our training department works, um, guys are just sent to training. There's no real – in the past couple of years, they've probably been better about picking people to go up there um, that have a better background in it or more passionate about it, and I think that wears on it. But, you know, the first couple of times I've just shown to force a door, it's literally like a fork. The fork end goes on that side and just hit it and then pull it back and forth and – you know, and I thought that's all there was to forcing doors. And, you know, it really probably stunted my growth for the first little while. And I think that's pretty universal across the fire service. And I think as we move forward into this new age of stuff, you see, you know, I'm one of those people, but you see more and more people on social media. Um, and it's really important to, to background check these people, where they work, what what they know, where where they're going from, where they're getting their information, because I've seen some stuff on there lately that I'm just, oh, so-and-so fire training, and I look in, and it's a town of 2,000, and the person's got, you know, two or three years on the job, and it's just a lot of regurgitation of, you know, what they're learning from the fire academy or it's ISSA, and they're really good at social media stuff, and they're really good at, you know, making stuff bright and shiny. Um, so I think more now, now than ever, the newer people have to be careful about about seeing through, you know, the bull crap and, and understanding that uh, a critical eye applied to everything that we do in the fire service is really important. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and we kind of like hit two spots there. Sorry, we're, 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 no, it's it's awesome, but it's hard to it's hard to uh, throttle back and, and and we're getting ready to put. New hires on, so we're doing a, we're doing a four week orientation, and everybody comes through with fire one and fire two, and so we're trying to figure out all right what what do they need, you know we got to get through all the admin BS, and then what can we do in three weeks street smart to get them up up to speed as quick as we we can, and I think uh, the hard part is trying to find guys that have the deeper knowledge, you know like, like you said a lot of people can just regurgitate what they heard in a class or something, and you ask them a question and they kind of get stuck. Um, so, you know, as a new guy, not necessarily trusting everything that's told to you, but being to try it out. But on the flip side, if we're going to put people in the positions to teach new guys, I think we got to equip them with the right information. And there's just so much information out there. You can get online and you can find something to back up every position, every time. Um, but But really just narrow it in and say, we want to teach this skill and we want A, B, and C, and that's it. A, B, and C. That should work. You know, A needs, is going to be the skill that works 90% of the time. B is going to going to work when 70% of the time when that doesn't work, and and so on, and and really just, just uh, approach.
process uh, for teaching, and I don't know. Yeah, I think that I think giving them multiple. I think you know, there's very few always and nevers. And I know someone else has said that before. You know, I just did in, in the fire service, but um, I think giving them options, and I think that should be for everything um, in, in terms of the fire service. I think a big thing for us, at least. And I think it's probably common in every fire department in, in the world. You know, a lot of guys get hired or they go to volunteer. And, you know, if only three guys teach you and that's all you know and that's all you care to go out and listen to and learn from, then your depth of knowledge is just really is just really small. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of folks and I've given them dozens of websites and I said, hey, there's so much good training just in our area alone. And just in the state of Virginia, you can go anywhere and find great stuff uh, outside of your own department. And I think that's where at least I can attest to getting out to FTIC, getting Andy Fredericks training days, Firehouse Expo, um, even the local ones that, you know, folks put on. There's a lot of good stuff out of Richmond, but there's stuff everywhere now. You just got to get outside your department and talk to other, talk to other guys. What are they doing? What kind of nozzles are they using? You know, how they set up their ladder company operations, how, you know, how they staff their rigs, um, just get outside your box and, and reading as much as you can and watch as many videos as you can on some of these good websites out there. Just opens your mind more to go, hey, we're doing we're doing things right here in my department. Or, hey, man, we're doing it really bad. Um, I think that just gives folks, even like you said, to, to go on your point saying, hey, I've got plans A, B, and C, it gives them even more because they can say, hey, I learned this trick in Boston one time, and you know now I have another option um, for, for forcing the door. So I think it just helps guys out. Now, when you guys, I know you guys are fire nerds like me, you're, you're constantly absorbing everything. And um, I think you need to allow for a, some time for reflection. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, I I feel like I'm busy all the time and I don't do enough reflection. But when you sit back and you say, all right, now realistically, when am I going to use this? What what are my process? What, I, I learned this new trick. Where does that fit into what I knew before? Because, you know, you hate to just... I I I hate the I hate the the concept of you know I'm just going to bring a bag of circus tricks and we're going to see what works. Um, you know, if you take nozzle forward or anything, you uh, Aaron's really good at just breaking it down in, yeah. into the rule of threes. You know, there's going to be you know uh, three ways you can hold a line, three ways to move a line, three ways to go vertical, and you know you got a left turn or a right turn, a T or a 180. And, and once you do that and put it into a system, it really makes sense. And I think, um, I don't know about you guys, but that's what teaching's really done for me because I can't go out and teach something if I don't break it down simply. <laughs> and you got to teach that 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 one that people are going to use the most first because if they only remember one thing, it's got to be that. <laughs> so I don't want to teach them a trick first and then four, four things down the line, I teach them what, what the money move should have been. Uh, do you guys – find you're doing more reflecting the, the longer you're on the job? I, I find myself looking at everything with a more critical eye um, and then a lot of reflection as well. I mean, it's the, the more I teach, the more I travel, you, you start to sit in, by yourself and kind of, you know, being at the firehouse for a long time too, just to get away and, and just kind of hang out. You know, I don't have kids, so um, it makes it a little bit easier, but it's given me that ability to sit down and think, you know, is this the best way? Are we looking at it? Is what I'm learning at these things effective? The more conferences you go to and the more people you sit through, I think the better you get through that critical thinking or critical eye of, of looking at stuff, and it gives you that ability 
you know, to kind of see through the BS or, or look at things differently. And, you know, there's some classes that I've sat through that uh, for like an hour and a half, but I'm like, man, I, I have yet to learn one thing that is useful on my job or useful in, in the firehouse. And, and you know, you, you'd like to come away with it, at least one thing each class, but um, it's very tough to do that in some environments. And I think that's the one thing that maybe the fire service is missing. And some of the guys are like, oh, I go to one thing a year. You don't really get that ability to see through the bull crap and see the bigger picture. So I think a lot of people are missing that. So the more stuff people can go to, whether it's, you know, your local department's class or the, the city HR puts on a class or, you know, you go to, um, you know, anything informative or you go to a motivational speaker that has nothing to do with the fire service, I think it really starts training your brain to sift through those kind of things. Um, and, and that's what starts pushing that momentum forward of what's good, what works, what doesn't, what can be shelved. It, it allows you to come up with that on the fly and then it allows you to apply that to everything that you do in your life, especially when you teach or you, you do something at the firehouse. Yeah, I think you guys said it perfectly. Um, I think you can get lost on, you know, somebody's website and, and now you got so much stuff going on you can't even think straight. You don't have a process. Um, I don't know if, like, Grant, I don't know if you have, I know, Kyle, you've read Colonel Gross's book, um, you know, on combat and just talking about how you can, um, you just can lose your mind easily. And we've all, we're all guilty of it. Uh, and at that point, you need a process. You need repetitions. You need a, a, some kind of routine to work your way through these problems you come across. And at the same time, I think I definitely, the more and more I've gotten out, luckily, um, and been to several conferences and, and training events and just talking to guys throughout the country, um, you definitely do some reflection and go, well, that sounds cool. I'm not sure if that fits into, you know, what we're doing here in my department or, or my company. Or, hey, maybe that's not something that, uh, you know, works for me. Maybe I'm more comfortable doing the, the high shoulder carry as opposed to, uh, you know, what what you're teaching. Um, you know, definitely have an open mind, but I think you have to – there's so much, I think, a routine and a process keeps folks grounded. And especially if we if we go back to what we were talking about with our probationary firefighters, you throw A through Z at them, they're not getting much help to you. When they, they can't figure out what where to even start. Um, I know I'll, I'll just speak to Kyle and I's department. You know, anyone can kind of – any kind of rig, engine, ladder, refuge can kind of fill multiple roles. So – um, we don't necessarily have strict assignments in terms of uh, when engines and ladders show up on scene. So, you know, you put a new guy in the back, and he just, he's green, he's out of the academy, and he's like, okay, cool, I, I'm on the second new engine, but we could be bringing in a hydrant, we could be search, but we could even be a writ, and chief gets there. Um, I'm not sure, are we to forward lay, reverse lay, are we going to need a second line? All those thoughts going through your head, and you're you're kind of driving yourself crazy, let alone all right, what's the officer going to want me to do? You know, he's, he's not looking around, talking to me, telling me what's going on. I think that can, can jumble your uh, your brain and, and make you ineffective. Do, do you guys have uh, pre-incident assignments? Uh, uh, that's all company-dependent. I guess that's probably the nice way to say it. We don't have anything department-wise. They're trying to kind of go to this with standards of cover kind of thing that they've they've put out for us but I don't think it's hit department-wide yet. It's still kind of a lot of shooting from the hip. We have, within our our company, um, we have um, pretty standard operating procedures that everybody knows their role, but there's still a few that, 
depending on situations, whether or not they're used or, or, or they're put in different, you know, situations. Grant, are you, do you guys run, you got four, four stations within the city. So are you, are you guys running automatic with other folks, I'm assuming? Yeah. Yeah. We run a county system. And, okay. um, so each fire district where a fire district functions, yeah. uh, as a battalion, um, We've got, I think, roughly 17 fire districts, 17 or 21 fire districts in the county, but we've got 55 firehouses. But it's all dispatched through countywide dispatch. You, it's all AVL, uh, which is which is cool. So it's a big city uh, response with a smaller smaller department seal, so you can make a difference and know your guys. The uh, we do a countywide. It, we used to call it the playbook, and now we're we're kind of. I don't even I don't even know what we're calling it now, but we it's it's uh pre incident assignments for residential, single family, multifamily and commercial. And um that's kinda helping, you know, it's just I think we're about four years in and it just takes a while. But Yeah, culture change definitely does not happen overnight. <laughs> I mean it's our our issue is we'll have four rigs show up within three minutes of each other on, on a scene. And for an, an officer, um, you know, running, running the fire, that can be a little overwhelming. And we know what needs to get done. We know we need to get water on the fire. We need to get a search done. We need to, you know, get a water supply if this is, if this is more than a small room. And, uh, you know, so let's just set it up ahead of time. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's tough when you have resistance. Uh, but to what you guys were speaking, and then it, it, then the officer can have a conversation on the way to the fire. Hey, we're second due. We're going to be searched. These are the tools that we're going to take for search. And it's not a surprise when we hop off the rig. You know, we don't need to count how many rigs in we are to uh, to know what our job is. Yeah, absolutely. Do you find yourself, um, you know, being in that company officer role, you're you're kind of you're trying to do the right thing by the playbook, but you're also you're trying to get yourself and your your guys some work. Do you feel you have that kind of struggle? And when you show I'm, up? I'm in a bad spot because I'm I'm helping write the playbook. So uh, it's it, not really a bad spot because my passion has always been we got to get water on the fire and we got to get search done. I don't want somebody yeah. staging down the street to no see kidding. if we're going to need a hydrant. Uh, you know, third or fourth, you can bring in a hydrant. Let's let's be about getting in. But yes, of course, I want to be. I want my guys to get work. I don't want to get stuck on writ. <laughs> you know, right, um, right. So you know uh, yeah it's a struggle but you got to be you got to if i want other people to follow it i got to follow it too yeah no I, I agree and i think that's that's the right leadership thing to do i know uh making my way into a leadership role it, it's kind of a struggle of hey let's get there first so that you know or second so someone else can you know do some of the other assignments that are are less glorious of course but i, I think you have to maintain that discipline so well, you know, the other thing that we had a little in our search class is you got to have trust. You know, we sure. have this playbook, and we assume that first do is going to do attack because if we mm -hmm. don't take care of the fire, it's bad for them, it's bad for us. So all you need to do is look at the, the uh, case study of Keokuk, Iowa in 1999. Mm -hmm. um, so even if there's victims trapped, we got to do that. And I have to trust that that first do didn't hear there's a victim and say, screw the line, I'm going to go after the grab. No, I, yeah, getting a grab is important, but I'm rolling in ready to do search, trusting that you're taking care of the fire. And if we both are searching for victims, you know, bad stuff can happen. So you do have to have a, a trust that people are just going to do their jobs, you know. This is a big fire. You know, third do in our area is going to be bringing in, the, bringing in the water. I'm trusting you're not trying to get a better spot. 
and then all of a sudden we all end up on scene and nobody got a hydrant. You know, that's that's bad juju, you know? Yeah. You got staffed with three or four? Uh, my my rig's got four, but minimum staffing's three. For the most okay. part, it's three-man rigs, and we've got, uh, you know, quite a few houses that have a two-man rescue married up to that uh, engine or, or ladder. Do you want to define the rescue company for those? Yeah, guys? it's a, it's like an SUV ish <laughs> SUV that does medical without medical calls. But they they have fire gear and they can go. But it's not it's not a New York City heavy rescue. Yeah, I uh, I was at Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo the first year. Uh, I don't know when it was. I think it was 2008. But um, it was rescue company operations at a at at a fire. And uh, I'm sitting through the class and. Um, it goes to start off, and I believe it's a chief now, the, the guy who started the conference. And uh, he starts talking, and just all these ambulances up on the screen. And I'm going, I'm looking around, and I'm like, oh, crap. So, yeah, what did I get myself into? I was like, I don't know what these guys are doing down here. But, uh, yeah. I, uh, Rapid setup of rehab, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Crap! I was from an ambulance, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Once again, I get to the rescue stuff. And about 20 minutes in, I went, Shit, I'm in the wrong class. <laughs> there should always be a caveat to those guys that call the rescue, the ambulance. Just hey, just so you know, we're not talking heavy rescue. This is just uh, yeah. ambulance stuff. I think I was the only out of towner. I think it was all South Florida based. A couple guys from Orlando. So I started looking around the t-shirts and I announced I put two and two together. He made a comment halfway through, and I went, "I'm going to politely get up and leave this class." But, I, that was. That was going to be my next question. Did you sit through the rest, or did you get up and leave? You know, that's, that's I, I, a tough spot. No, I, I did. I did leave, uh, you know, not not saying that it, I can't brag about my position now. We just call them ambulances or medics where I work now. But uh, at that time, I wasn't. I had nothing to do with, with an ambulance at uh, my volunteer house. So, um, yeah, I just I got up and left. I didn't think it was pertinent to me. But um, I know it was good information, what he was putting out. Nothing nothing against him or his class. I know it's pertinent to it what a lot of departments are doing across the country. I mean, especially I can see for us at least. I mean, that's two extra guys. So oh, yeah. you got two extra bodies that can go to work. I you know, I don't see uh I don't see why you're holding them back and I think that's what uh um you know he was getting at so for the most of you guys won't know this that are listening to this, but the department that that Andrew and I work for, um, we're pretty much all ALS at this point. I'd say we're probably eighty five percent ALS providers. Um we saw some few people that have been opted out of the medic program and some BLS master firefighters, but we're all required to at least go to EMTI. Well, it's EMTA now for the new guys. Um, so the medic rolls on every fire, and everybody's cross-trained, so you can put them to work um, if needed, unless there's a victim that needs, you know, treatment right out the gate. But at our station, we have 11 people um, on the first two just from our station, so it gives us a lot of flexibility in what our options are on scene was where some of our stations uptown get five and two of them are on the ambulance and so we can throw them into into play a little bit easier. But before we go too far and, and start talking and, and let the banner get out of control, yeah. um, let's double back in kind of the origins of this whole, the name, what we want this whole thing to be about so you guys can kind of get a better understanding of where we're going and what they can expect from us in the future. Um, I know I received a call from Zisk. And from from Grant, probably within a day or two of each other, they were like, "I want to do a podcast," and I was like, "Oh, crap!" <laughs> you know, do, which one do I pick from? And then it kind of just worked all out that we had the same kind of vision for what we wanted to do. Grant, you want to touch on um, what inspired you to kind of push forward with this with this idea, and we can go back to Zisk, and then 
I can kind of fill in what you know how I feel about the things, and we can talk and go back to the banner a little bit. Yeah, I uh, being a fire nerd, I just love to listen to podcasts, and and I, I'm able to learn so much from some guys, and uh, and I don't necessarily have to be away from my family taking a class or anything like that. Um, we had, um, you know, I, I love spreading what I've learned, and I love that I've had the opportunity to talk to so many good people, whether it was at FDIC or or we do a uh, symposium in at our department, and we've gone eight years now. We bring three three instructors in every year, so I get a chance to talk to them before we bring them down, you know, picking them up from the airport and the class each day, going out to dinner. And I just thought, man, you know, I've had conversations with guys on the job, on my job, um, that they really just got to talk to Dennis Laguerre. They really got to just hear from Gary Lane, or they really just got to hear from these guys that, you know, I can I can share some knowledge, but let's go right to the sources. The other thing that I found was a couple of years ago we were going through um, we had automatic nozzles um, at our department, so we wanted to switch over. We wanted to go smooth bore, and if we couldn't make it all the way to smooth bore, I at least wanted to do fixed. But through the people that I've met, I found so many had already done the same thing that I was doing. Uh, so we start gravitating towards each other. They share with their experience and how they got it done with me, and then. I was able to to pay that forward. Um, so I really, in one respect, just wanted to hear have other people hear some of the conversations I was fortunate enough to have. Uh, the other thing is I, I love to teach and share, but I've also got a family that I love to be around. And how could I share with people and not be away from home all the time? Um, so that was kind of kind of some of the things that I wanted to do you know i don't want to sit here and talk um you know through every one of these podcasts i want to ask questions and let other people hear um and learn um and then you know kyle i kind of met you through fdic last year you know social media is a wonderful thing you can you can gravitate towards like-minded people and never having met them um and then we hooked up a little before fdic last year and then at fdic um and i thought you know what what a good person to do this with. It's, you're well-spoken, but you're from a department that's not necessarily like mine. You guys do things a little bit different than we do things. And I, it would be easy enough to pick up a, a, you know, a buddy that's really just like me and do a podcast, and it's the way we do it show. Uh, but I thought, you know, let's get, get people, somebody else uh, from elsewhere that's got other contacts that maybe have different ways of doing things and, and uh just talk and share. So, yeah, I think you hit on a lot of good things. I think I, I kind of shared the same desires to push forward from stuff. And if people don't know, um, we're going to have guests on regularly, and it, it may not be all three of us talking to somebody. It may just be us shooting the crap, and then we'll go into the interview with the with the guests that week. Um, we did have uh, a guest lined up for the premiere one. There was there was some. Um, some issues that they had to take care of with their family, and, you know, we're all about family with this group. Um, so we gave them the ability to do that, and I think it allowed us to kind of do a probably more open show about who we are, what we want to do with it, and, and where we want to go um, with this project where we've been blessed enough with, with Cody and, and Stephen Tyler to be bringing us on with Brothers in Battle Media. So this, what was your uh, kind of, you know, I guess vision for the podcast? 
Yeah, pretty similar to yours. Uh, you know, that's why we're together. Uh, Kyle, I remember uh, I got a phone call from everybody, uh, Mike Todd, who we work with, and he said, hey, man, let's do it. He said, we should do a podcast. And, I, and uh, right that moment, we hung up the phone a few minutes later, and uh, I called you, and I said, hey, let's do a podcast. And he said, uh, uh, yeah, sure, man. Uh, yeah, we'll get around to it. And I realized how busy you were, so, um, you know, I was going to take, take the ball with it, but I think we reached out a few weeks later, and he said, hey, I, I talked to – you know, Grant uh, from Florida, and uh, he said he wants to do the same thing. And, you know, my thing was I started listening to podcasts a couple of years ago. I caught the bug and got to listen to them every day on the way to work, on the way home, in the morning, whenever I get a chance to listen to something. And uh, I've just learned so much from them. And I've learned, I've kind of networked through these podcasts because they always talk to other folks. And, I've you know, I bought books because of it. I've learned so much from it. And I just realized that all the good kitchen table talks and grant what you were hitting on, you, you've been fortunate to talk to all these people throughout the country. You know, I just want to share it with other people and I also want to learn myself. So, and I also wanted something that was really just no BS kitchen table talk, you know, let's get a cup of coffee and let's, let's just hang out. Let's have a relaxed atmosphere. Um, if we get going on some banter, then that's fine. Um, you know, didn't want to have it structured to a point where it was very PC throughout the entire time. And, and kind of rigid in terms of its requirements uh, for time and for content. Uh, and my big thing was just to learn from one another. I've been fortunate to get out and talk to a lot of folks, and there's a lot of great information out there, uh, and I'm learning every day the more and more people I meet. So that's that's kind of my vision, um, which is pretty similar to you guys. Awesome. Yeah, so the day, Kyle, the, Kyle, we, br- we brought you kicking and screaming then. <laughs> so how'd that look for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I was, I was interested and I've always kind of wanted to do a podcast. Uh, I didn't know if anybody really gave a crap about what I had to say. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not always known from my PC point of view. Uh, I think Jonah, Jonah from Charlotte called me the, the Donald Trump of fire service Twitter, uh, which <laughs> I still, uh, find hilarious. Uh, you know, so I'm still kind of shocked some days that people would want to want to hear what I have to say. Uh, I don't have a voice for radio either. Unlike unlike Zisk, who's got the nice deep baritone voice for for radio. Um, but the day Zisk called me, I was on the golf course, so he probably thought I was blowing him off. But I was in the like in the middle of the best back nine I think I've had in a long time. So I'm like, sure, yeah, yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, <laughs> and hung up on him. So. Uh, I don't get much time to play golf, so I was kind of answered about that. But uh, I, I really, I, so I only teach about three times a year. Um, I limit myself how much I teach. Um, I, I, I like being home. I have a hundred year old house that we work on. Um, I'm, I'm married for two years now, and we're just we just found out a couple weeks ago we're expecting we're expecting our first child in May. Um, so I, I'm like Grant. I, I want to help spread information, and, you know, social media is not always the best for that because it's all dependent on who retweets it or shares it, and so, you know, you can spend all day trying to push it out, um, but if you can bring guests on and kind of get that kind of atmosphere or feeling you get from the conferences um, and just being out in the road and share it with others through this, you know, method, it, it comes off really well, so I'm really excited about this going forward. I think we're going to have guys that are fire service people and non-fire service people and, and, and you know, and kind of come at things from some different angles and just kind of all hang out and get to know each other. And hopefully we, you know, somebody will listen. I don't know who, but somebody will. And, uh, we'll probably take suggestions from everybody and probably drink a lot of coffee and, and talk a lot of crap on each other and have a little fun. Yep. 
Yeah, I think the other thing that we all had talked about was trying to keep it at a format where it was like an hour, maybe a little over an hour, just segment-wise so that you could listen while you're at the gym or or driving on your commute or something. Uh, but that way you could easily find something. I know one of the struggles I've had in some of the long podcasts that are two and a half you know, hours, it, there was a certain point that I wanted – to hear, or I wanted to go back and hear some discussion, and I found it was really tough to do that. So I think, uh, you know, trying to, we may, we may talk for three hours one afternoon, but just not putting it all out at, at that same, in a three hour format. That way it's a little easier for, for the listeners to try to, you know, pull back up what they want and index what we kind of talked about too. Oh yeah, I think, uh, I think unfortunately for the listeners, this will be probably one of the longer ones. Just because there is a lot of, to talk about up front, that's probably. Uh, but you'll you'll hear some of the longer interviews as we go. We don't plan on, you know, editing anything information out, you know, and uh, try to get these people. If, if somebody talks for two hours and did something great, then we'll break it up into episode A and B and, and roll with it. Yeah, I yeah. think that's perfect. I was um a couple weeks ago. I was up in uh, Harrisburg for a class, and I remember another thing too. Just you guys sparked uh, me to think about this. Uh, Chief LeBlanc um, from Massachusetts was was presenting his keynote speaker, and just just some information that I didn't even know about. He was trying to get the word out, just talking about like for instance the NFPA 1700. He was saying, "Hey, you guys know you can put public comments on these NFPA, um, you know, regulations, and that's something I didn't know about. And I just think that's great stuff too. We get you know, there's a lot of good folks that have great information that you know they need to share it. They need for the betterment." of the fire service, and I didn't know that. So having folks on like him and other people that can share their knowledge and get it out there, I think that's going to be good for folks. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too much into 1700, but... um No, I'm not trying to go down that. that <laughs> I'm not the biggest fan, but if, if anybody's interested, you can head to the NFPA website, uh, and I think open comments are still open at this point. If not... November 15th. Uh, okay, November 15th. Make sure you get on there and read it. It's uh, It's an interesting document. It's pretty much a a manual of fireground operations, and I think it's a flawed document as it sits. And I think there's a lot of room for improvement, and hopefully the uh, the chair and the rest of those guys will, will take your improvement seriously. And so if you get on there and, and submit those questions, I think it would be better. Um, to double back around to Harrisburg, um, we you, you were up for, for that, and uh, by now everybody knows uh, about – Brad Clark's passing, and uh, we wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about um, some of these guys that have made big influences in our lives and our personal lives um, that we've lost probably in the past year, year and a half. Um, we lost Brad Clark um, with Hanover. We lost Nate Flynn with with Howard County. We lost Matt. Is that right, um, Grant? Matt? I can never yeah. say his last name. Matt Negley from Orlando. Negley. Okay, yeah. And then Mike Camello Jr. from uh, Cape Coral. You know, we we just it's it's been a devastating you know probably year and a half two years even if you want to go further back, um, in, in just for the instructor community and I know it's 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 been tough and I know it's it's shaped a lot of us uh, and we'll talk on a, a future episode about see you know, more in depth about these guys but um, all these guys really made a mark in a short period of time but I think it also made us realize that we're only here for a short amount of time and. We all have quite a bit to share, and I think the more that we all get together as a fire service community and try to 
learn from each other or, or, or push somebody out that maybe isn't so well known or just has a certain perspective because, you know, Brad's perspective and his energy and his passion was, was, had made me a better person, a better fire instructor, a better firefighter, all these things. And a lot of people knew him, but, you know, probably the majority of the fire service didn't. And I think that's a shame. So I think we can, um, you know, I wish we had some of these guys back because Nate and Brad's passion, those are the two that I knew personally and knew fairly well. Um, you know, through an outlet like this would have been unbelievable. Um, those guys are just phenomenal human beings. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very sorry to their families for their losses. And it's going to be a tough road to climb for, for everything in there. But um, if you guys haven't read some of the stuff that Brad wrote, um, haven't seen his class, I know somebody has a recording of his class, audio, and they're trying to see if they can find it and try to make it um, – shareable to the public and, and make sure his his name lives on through through his uh his class the, the war for the middle which was phenomenal um you know and, and i'm sure the same thing with you grant with, with, with your guys down in florida it's been tough tough go you know losing losing some brothers there yeah matt started the orlando fire conference and uh his brother's taking it on now but uh and then they helped uh they helped fort lauderdale start as kind of the little brother of Orlando and now they uh they run in tandem but just made a huge huge difference in the fire service and uh you know he was real big on treating the students well, making a difference in their lives. As if you're an instructor, you're not there to scream at people or to, to show off your knowledge, but you're there, uh take the time to pull somebody aside and, and you know Tell them they did well or, you know, focus on something that, that you can help them with and try to make personal connections with all the students. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that's just awesome. And then, you know, Junior, he was, he was, uh, he was up and coming and just a ball full of energy. And he, he showed up to every training he could and, and he was just starting to, to get out there and he taught with us at the fire academy, uh, but was just, just getting out there and started to teach, uh, elsewhere with us. And, uh, yeah, it's tough. Um, but you know, if we can if we can take that passion and and share with the rest of the fire service, maybe some of the people that they don't know real well, or that they don't have an FDIC class, or a, or a, you know they're they're not teaching at Harrisburg or something like that. You know, it's okay. There's a lot of good people with stuff to share uh, that maybe are aren't comfortable putting it out there on social media because God knows you get beat up pretty hard. Uh, but you know. I don't know. I think uh, I think this is going to be good. I think everybody's going to be pretty pleased that with with the people they're going to get to, to learn more about. Absolutely, Brad. Or uh, just did you want to say anything about Brad or Nate or? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I didn't know. I'll, I'll go with Brad first. I'm actually wearing the uh, memorial shirts for him right now with the uh, hashtag send it on the back, of course, and. Uh, you know, I didn't even I didn't know him. I heard his name through you. I heard his name just throughout the fire service, and I, I really didn't know uh, what he looked like or anything like that. But you know, I was telling the guys the other day, I didn't I didn't need to. Uh, I think his work, his passion, what he was doing in the fire service, and obviously in his life, uh, you know, once we went to the memorial service, and learned more about him as just a man outside of the fire service. You know, I didn't really need to know him, uh, and. Uh, you know, it kind of hit me a little, little harder as the week went on, just because I was like, "Wow, this guy's just like everyone else I'm, I'm friends with," or you know, the other, you know, the other brothers here that you know believe in the betterment of the fire service. Um, so that was eye-opening for me. Um, a good buddy of ours that worked 
that was that knew him pretty well was a mentor to him so that, that tore him up pretty good so um yeah not no it's just kind of funny the more and more you you network or you know, know folks it's it's always going to touch in some way now it seems like and uh like i said for me i don't need to know them don't need to shake their hands um if someone else speaks highly of them you know that i, I work with or i know then that's enough for me um and you know with nate only spending what was it six seven days with him kyle um yeah, but if anybody's ever done a, an FDIC hot class, they know that those setup days and those teaching days, you know, it might as well be uh, two years of knowing somebody because you're just around each other that much with that much hard work and that kind of bonding. Yeah, it was funny talking. We came back, you know, you're like, God damn it, we're finally glad to be home. You know, it was fun. It was great. But uh, picture being in the firehouse with some folks for six days, and that's kind of what it felt like. I know we kind of laughed about it on the way home because, you know, I towards the tail end, we're all on each other's nerves a little bit, I'm sure. But, uh, um, yeah, knowing him, and it's just one of those things you just don't think, I guess, that'll ever, you'll ever kind of know somebody that'll, that'll pass or something like that. Or, um, and knowing Nate, he was a hard charger, full of passion, full of knowledge, you know, just like everybody else, just like us. And, uh, you know, kind of made it real to, to realize that um, someone of his caliber could, you know, die doing the job uh, and doing – pretty much from what it sounds like initially that, you know, all the right things. So, um, yeah, and, you know, hopefully we can we can honor those those men in another day and, uh, you know, go over their line of duty death reports and, and see if we can't take some information from that and, and pass it forward and, you know, uh, have some more folks learn from it. Absolutely. Um, so we were talking earlier about, Standard Operating Procedures Grant, and I had wanted to chime in and ask you, uh, when you guys made the switch over, did it make an impact on, you know, I we found that we've had some issues with, with battalion chiefs and some company officers not liking the fact that it takes away a decision-making process on that end. Did you guys have any issues with that when you implemented Standing Operating Procedures? Yeah, we did, and the hard part was is the, the procedures got put together the combination of the ops chief of the county and the training group of the county. Um, but then we push it out to the firefighters. So they know, the line guys know what to expect. But the missing piece was the battalion chiefs. So the battalion chiefs weren't going to our countywide training. They weren't buying in quite as much. And unfortunately, they're the quarterback call to play, you know. So if they didn't want to do it, they just didn't do it. And, uh, you know, it's frustrating. Uh, you know, it's all about time and fast fire ground pace. And realistically, if we get water on the fire, we complete our primary search. Even if the place burns down, I think we did our job. But it's the show up, wait, stage to be given a task until the IC can figure out what the heck's going on. Uh, that's just, it's not the way we should be doing business. And then you end up getting three rigs backed up waiting for an assignment. Um, and yeah, they, you know, they fought it. Uh, but we tried to put out a pretty good class to say, look, you know, if you just think about your fires and if you stretch the line, get water on the fire, you're searching the fire, the next dude's coming in and, and they're not staying down at the, the end of the street, I mean, at least in our area. And I know different areas of the country are, have different perspectives on water supply. Uh, us down here, we get four units on scene within four minutes of each other. And realistically, if I sneeze or I happen to be in the john or something, I could be 
fourth dew to my first dew fire. It, we're that close. And our hydrants are 800 feet apart. I know when I'm up in Toledo, I think they're 300 feet apart. Well, yeah, 300 feet apart, you could get a water supply and it not really affect the the delay in getting to search. Uh, but 800 feet, that screws it up. And then <laughs> it screws up the next two units that are that got the road blocked until you can move it out of the way. So it just wasn't a good system for us. Um, but, uh, you know, and we we find the more the instant commanders try to think, they just default back to the old way of doing stuff. So uh, what we're trying to do, uh, November 7th, we're trying, we're going to hopefully have this this new – New version blessed. It's going to go to the five bugles for the county for for uh, approval, and then we're doing a battalion only training on it. And so all the high up chiefs will be there, and they're going to tell the battalions what they want and why they want it. And you know, we really had to get away from. We pushed it down with you will do A, B, C, and D. You're going to do it in this order, and you can deviate if you see a need. Um, but we didn't give them what our strategic objectives were. And so once we, we defined our strategic objectives and we say, you know, everything gets better if we put water on the fire. We're always going to do a search no matter what we're told. Um, a one- or two-bedroom fire doesn't necessarily need water. Uh, it's safe to put lots of guys inside. Um doing work because they're the ones that are going to make a grab. So if we delay establishing our official writ until further down the line, um, it's okay. You're not screwing up your guys. You're actually doing what's safer for them. Um, and we put all that information out, and they're like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And they say, you can deviate from from our, from our the run order, so as long as you're meeting the strategic objectives. And uh, I think that, you know, it's third and three. Dude, all we want to do is get a first down. And if you if yeah. you see the play call ain't gonna get you a first down, don't do it. <laughs> Audible, but the goal is to get a first down. So once we laid out the goals, then the guys were like, Oh yeah, this is easy. And they didn't disagree at all with the strategic objectives. So that seemed to be a much better way to go about things for us. But it just yeah, took us five four or five years to figure that out. Oh, it's always a long process and I think there's probably a if there's any young firefighters out there listening, you know, quick change is not something that happens with the fire service. You know, pushing these things is, is a long-term change. But I know there's a lot of firefighters out there listening right now that are pretty jealous about how you run things that have gone from the old system to the new system. I know I'm probably one of those. This can probably say the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot of the mother may I permeation in the fire service. And, and that kind of brings me to my next topic is um, I think that one of the biggest problems in the fire service is kind of an old-school thought process um, versus the, the young up-and-cuppers that really want to take charge. And I think most of them are starting to become officers or at least, you know, movers and shakers in the department. And I think that's one of the biggest things we have in the fire service today is is the resistance to young up-and-comers by guys that are set in their ways. Um, I think we're creating our own issues that way or guys refuse to listen to younger guys because they feel like, oh, they haven't earned it or they don't know what they're talking about. Um, what do you guys think, and we'll start with ZISC, is the biggest issue facing the prior service today, whether it be on you know, your job or in general? Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's definitely um, you know, an issue with what you're talking about. Sometimes you get that, that pushback as a, you know, a, a young guy um, that's trying to make change. 
I think you have to go about it the right way. Um, I know I think we all want change. I know we've all had complaints. We all think things can be better, right? Um, I think you just have to go about it the right way. You have to work at it, first of all. If I'm sure, Grant, you said this took you guys four years. I know you just didn't throw it on a piece of paper and say, hey, uh, I need you to make this work and uh, just, just make it work and make sense. Well, there has to be some why in there. I'm sure you had to do some research. I'm sure you had to sit down meeting after meeting after meeting. If you want to sell someone on something, we'll just we'll just say the uh, older guys, for instance, if you want to sell them on something, well, you got to come at them with a why. Um, you got to come at them with a why. You got to show the research, you got to show the hard work you're putting in. I can't just say that I want to hire for all the ladder trucks without writing a document selling it um, and getting quotes and research articles and talking to other folks and citing, you know, why they think it's beneficial. Um, and I think that's that's how you get you get through that. Um, a lot of folks, you know, say that they don't want change or this sucks or that sucks or uh, we should have these novels or we should have these ladders. Well, put something in writing. Do something about it. Do some research. Find out why and present it in an educated manner. And I think you'll find that uh, you'll you'll move mountains pretty quickly, actually. Um, and I've been fortunate a couple of times, and there's plenty of other guys that have been fortunate doing the exact same thing. Um, in terms of, you know, one of the biggest issues, I think, in the fire service is I think that, uh, I just think, like, like Grant was saying earlier, we, we just got to put water in the fire and get a search going. For some reason, we're just delaying, in my opinion, we're just delaying everything. Everything is, we're staging we're taking our time. We're, I'm not advocating, you know, sprinting on the fire ground or anything like that, but, uh, you know, it seems like everyone just wants to wait or they're terrified to do something or, or make an effort or park a rig at a certain place. People are there waiting. They called us to hurry up and to make an effort. Let's, let's move a little quicker. I don't need to put on six safety vests, put out 26 cones, do three walk-arounds, and then finally make my way into a structure, make my way into an action scene or anything like that. I, I think you can you can do a you can do a three sixty. You can get your situation awareness squared away, but um, you know I think we just need to be a little bit quicker. I don't know where, how, or why it happens, um, but I think we slowed down a little bit in terms of our once we get on scene. I know we've probably all seen it on YouTube videos. Um, you know, it takes forever to, to stretch the line, or it takes forever to some folks won't go in without a hydrant. Um, I just need to be quicker. You know, they're wait they're there waiting for us. They want us to go to work, and um, I just think the the sitting there and waiting and asking for permission thing is just creating issues and and inefficiencies. No, dude, I think you hit it perfect. It's like look at what our best practices are, and just get good at it. And right. what could what could be safer on the fire ground than? Getting in, getting it done, and you know you're either knocking the fire down or you're not. You know pretty quickly. You're getting yeah. your search done pretty quick. You're looking for tenable areas. If all the tenable areas are searched, you get out. Yeah, that's pretty darn safe. So being aggressive, I, I think that's one of the safest things we can do. But it seems like we get uh, all caught up in, you know, in safety, 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 and we gotta we gotta make sure everything's perfect before we can go do anything, and we gotta wait for the the senior battalion to to make all these decisions for us because we're not capable of, of figuring that stuff out on our own. And it's, that's just not right. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's some folks that, and depending on your staffing level, you, you got folks who everyone wants to take command. Well, hey, that's one less ass. There's one more ass in the seat that needs to be out of that seat doing something else. Um, and I don't think we need 
so much direction. I think there needs to be a com command structure, but depending on your operations, I know for us, we go to attack channel, so the chief, he may not be there in three minutes. Maybe it's, we'll call it seven to ten, depending where he's coming from, but if I can talk to him on the attack channel, does someone need to be in you know, in command and just waiting on things? I, I think there are there's folks that know what to get done, know what needs to get done, but we've still created a culture of just, let's just stop here. Let's wait and ask. Well, why? that's why I think the SOPs and whatever, you know, what you guys have put together, Grant, is, is great. And I know there's several other departments across this country that have done that, um, you know, hundreds actually. But um, we, we, gotta, we got stuff to do. I don't, I just never agreed with, we pull up on scene and it seems like there's 10 minutes before somebody actually does something or, you know, Mrs. Johnson's sitting in the front yard or she's sitting in her, her you know, her car after the accident. And, you know, people are looking at us going, hey, what's going on? Oh, hang on, I got to put on this and then I must grab this and hang on, I got to wait for my officer because we must walk in tandem across the street. Um, yeah, <laughs> we just got to move, we just got to move quicker. It's just, that's my one gripe of mine and I don't think recklessly. You know, I just we got to move with a purpose, and that was taught to me through the academy. And I just think that's that's what they want. That's what people call us for. So whether you're police, fire, it doesn't matter. Let's let's move quicker. Now, do you guys think that a lot of some of the issues you're hitting on are a combination of um, poor leadership, not knowing your job, being afraid to do your job, maybe people being afraid to get of hurt, or, or maybe even too much of a safety culture? I mean, are we, you know, checklisting ourselves to death or, you know, paralysis by analysis? What do you think the main cause of that is, or is it just, a, you know, all those things kind of jumbled up together being a perfect storm? I think you're, uh, the more confident you are, the more confident you you become. And you yeah. got to get, confidence comes from practicing your fireground skill. I mean, kids, you know, I'm a medic, and I've been a medic for a long time, but the the meds and stuff we're using now aren't what I learned in medic school. So put me up in front of a crowd to do a mega code. That's not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> so I can see why we go, hey, force a door. And if they're not fire nerds or they haven't been working on it, that they can be uncomfortable doing that. And I think sometimes you hang back and hope somebody else is just going to do it. Um, it Maybe not always uh, the case. But I think largely that has something to do with it. If people, I think the more people, I, I see it on our job. We get back, we get done doing some training. And guys are guys are aggressive because <laughs> they're they're they, they're more comfortable in what they're doing. Uh, but as time goes on, or you know, we have a we have a law where there's no fires, or we haven't been doing some good training. Guys aren't moving as quick as they should just because maybe they're trying to think about it a little bit more than the muscle memory kicking in. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's it's all those issues combined, Kyle. I hate to just hit on one exactly. Um, you know, I think it's, like you said, not having the confidence, not training, uh, knowing that if you stage or maybe you go around the block, you'll get out of an assignment. Um, I think there is a little bit of fear in there as well, but I think you can dismiss some of that fear through your training and um, getting your skills up. Uh you know, it's, it's no different than anything else you've done in life. Um, so, yeah, I think it, I think it's a lot of issues. I think there's a lot of stuff online that I think we hit on earlier. Was if that's what you're, you're seeing all the time, the safety message, or if all you're seeing is, 
you know, uh, take the first or, you know, if you're being taught the fire academy, hey, who's number one? And then you regurgitate back, oh, we're number one. I'm number one. You know, that started at your the beginning of your career. And if that's all you knew from the beginning, then that's who you're going to carry on. So if that's all we ever hear, then I think that's the issue as well. So I, I think there's so many, so many things are at play with that. Now, how much yeah. of this has been created by us being Monday morning quarterbacks, too? Sure. Um, you know, guys are afraid that they're going to make a mistake. They, so sure. they, maybe they slow down, and they're, they're wanting to be perfect because they know at the kitchen table they're going to be judged. Yeah. Um, you know, something interesting that I found in, in doing some research that we don't think when, when we're judging how somebody did, we do comparative analysis. You know, we lay out all the options and we say, ah, they could have pulled the two, the 200 foot pre connector, they could have pulled the 150, or maybe they could have pulled the two and a half, and we weigh everything after the fact. And then we add up the points and we select the best one. So that's how we judge from the kitchen table. But on a fire scene, we don't think like that. It's recognition prime decision-making. We look for the first solution, not the optimal solution. And so while they got the job done, was it the most effective? Uh, maybe not, but it was the first solution to the problem. And I think we need to remember that uh, when, we're, when, when we're talking to somebody after the fact. And we need to also ask them and say, hey, why did you do what you did? And how did you come to that conclusion? Um, yeah. You know, so often, and we need to make it safe, too, because I think guys, I've seen the picture where, where you put the picture one way, and it's this ugly old woman, and then you flip it upside down, and it's the princess, right? And, right? and I think it's the way we connect the dots. And how do we connect the dots on our calls? For the most part, we don't want anybody to think we did bad. So no matter the outcome, we're like, oh, we did everything we could. Oh, yeah, no, it's like, how'd that fire go? Oh, it went good. You know, we stretched the line and blah, 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 blah. And we're not honest. If we if we tell them the ugly, it's going to help them figure out what – it's going to help us figure out what we need to work on. But it's also going to let other people know we're, we're, in, we're not infallible. And, and we can always learn from every call. I don't go on a ton of fires, but I'm not wasting one. I heard that from Brian Olson, and it's just – it's so true. It, it really is. I, I think a, another big issue is there's a group of people that's honest with themselves and a group of people that wants to lie to themselves to make it feel better. And I think the kind of hard charges these days, we want to be found, you know, we want to find our mistakes. We want to find the things we're not good at. Whereas other people look for the, the positives and everything they, they do. Um, they, they want to say, well, hey, you know, it, it didn't burn to the ground and no one got hurt and everybody went home. Whereas we want to say, hey, what did we screw up? What did we do differently? And I think the basic difference is how we look at things. I know Zisk and I ran a fire probably my first cycle as their lieutenant. Um, and there was fire blowing out the, the C, B and C sides and heavy smoke coming out the A door. And it, it looked like from his side, a bread and butter, go through the front door, fire, and knock it down. From what side I was seeing, I saw the power lines coming from the... The, the, the power pole, uh, utility pole under the side of the house and the flames were impinging and the, the engine was right underneath the line. So if the, the, the fire burned through those lines, the lines fall down on the house or on the, on the engine and everything gets bad. So, um, it's just a different point of view, but then I came to him afterwards and said, Hey, what did you see? What do we see? How can we get better at these kind of things? And it, it may just be a side difference that she's looking at the A side. I'm looking at the B side. Um, it, it it seems completely different, but the truth lies somewhere in the middle, and we need to be honest with ourselves 
and saying not everything runs perfect. Most fire grounds are not perfect. I think the best fire engineering cover I saw was was the blank one, right, where it said it, this is the perfect fire ground or whatever. I mean, that was yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It, it really drove home the point that, like you said, these are decisions made under stress, under duress in 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 seconds. Um, and the crews and guys that want to be better and want to understand their mistakes and would love to watch over and over again their their failures are are end up being the ones that end up being better the ones that want to brush off you know and say hey I don't do anything wrong every fire works well are really I think what's holding the fire service back and leading to that again that culture we talked before about you know let's just drag our feet or you know because I don't want to make that mistake. While we're on this, do you feel like that passion to make yourself better gets misread? Um, and I know I talk every time we get a fire in the area, I call the crew, find out what they did, right, you know, what they think they could do better and blah, blah, blah. And I, for some reason, I just get the feeling that they always feel like I'm judging them. But I'm not judging them for they did poorly. I'm trying to learn from what went right, what what. I may have done. Uh, do you find that that divides uh, you and maybe other guys that don't get how you guys tick? I know you guys are humble firemen that are just at, trying to get after it and trying to get better. Um, what would other people say? They say, oh, "Are you guys always? Why are you guys always judging us? Why are you guys always getting up in our stuff? The fire went out. How do you handle that?" I, I think uh, I think it's all point of view. I think what you guys were just hitting on. I know for me. I like asking the why. Now, if you ask a couple of years ago, those are a bunch of idiots, a bunch of morons. Why did they put the ladder truck there? Did you see what those guys were doing? Oh, that's unbelievable. And you go back to the kitchen table and you, you, you just talk shit about them. And I've gotten away from that because, and not entirely, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm perfect at it, but I, I think you just don't know. Uh, I've been asked why several times. And once I explain myself, someone went, okay, that makes sense. I try to do that now, Grant. Uh, I haven't necessarily called all the companies up, but I don't mind calling up some of my buddies at those companies and saying, hey, man, what what did you guys do when you were third do? Oh, hey, man, it was doing this, it was doing that. Or, hey, look, we went around we went around this side because we were blocked. There was a car in the way. Oh, cool, I, I didn't see that, you know. Um, I think I think you have to do that. I think I've framed it now better in the last couple of years. I've gotten better at it of just talking to people like a human being instead of kind of, Oh, well, you know, making some passive-aggressive comment. Oh, well, you guys played the ladder truck, right? You know, or, hey, guys, did you guys ever think about putting it here? Because we left you a little bit of room. That's why we pulled past the building. <laughs> oh, okay, well, we didn't know that. Um, I think you just got to have those conversations, healthy conversations, and framing it as, hey, look, I just want to learn. I'm trying to get better, and I wasn't outside of your position. I wasn't in your shoes. And I know, at least for me, I've gotten some better reception from folks that in the past it was – I think maybe I was just labeled as a, all oh, that guy's thing, or, um, you know, who cares, man? Everything fine. Why do you really even know why we did what we did? Um, I think guys want to talk about it. Whether or not they, they're interested fully in the job like we are, or they're just kind of, you know, collecting a paycheck, I think guys still want to talk about the job. And I think if you ask them about it, they can explain themselves, and both parties end up learning, and I think you gain that mutual respect as well. Yeah, I, I think you hit on a lot of good things. I think I've got a lot of guys that are passionate tend to come off arrogant, cocky, kind of like assholes. Um, I think most of us that are into the job, Grant, 
Andrew, as you can attest, I think we mostly get viewed as that early on in my career. I mean, am I wrong about that? I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, I mean, I had that same reputation, and and I think it's incumbent upon us instead of you're, we're never going to change the way people look at us because of how we do the job. So we can't change them, so we've got to be able to – it's on us to change ourselves and figure out we're doing things. And I think Zisk has done a good job, and I think most of us do a good job of, of making sure we don't come across as judging others in their actions. We want to know more because we're into the job. We don't want to know more because we're going to ridicule you behind your back and kind of do things like that. And I think as you start to do that and you change as you get older, I think you don't only make positive change around you, but the guys that you reach out to and the guys you try to make better – see that positive change and they kind of start to turn and, and things works better. So, um, you know, people are going to look at us the way they want to. We can't give them more ammunition to look at us in, in a negative light. You've got to really put your best foot forward, whether or not that is, you know, if you've got to put on a fake smile and shake some hands and kiss some babies to try to, to, to make the job better, then that's what you've got to do. Um, you can't bang your head against the wall. Just, I've seen too many good firemen that have been relegated to Nowheresville in their departments because they don't want to come off of their high horse or they don't they don't want to come off their their edgy kind of looking stuff and and they're just they're they're pushed to the back and in in pretty much everyone starts talking to them because they've got this chip on their shoulder and that's just not a good way for any of us to to get anybody better you know and our whole goal is to get the whole fire service better yeah and, and you know no one's perfect either I mean you gotta you gotta frame it as hey guys look. We need your ladder truck here, but I was driving the engine. You know what? I could have pulled past a little bit more, and then when I connected the uh, the five inch, there was a kink in it. You know, hey, no one's perfect. You know, I mean, I think you got to put your your dirty laundry, your mistakes out there too. I mean, you look at yourself first. I think before you start looking outside and going, how can those guys never do this? Or how can they do that? Oh, you see those idiots? Well, what are you doing? Control yourself first. Control what your what happens at your company. And, and then let's start looking outside and, and gain that support from the second, third, fourth two companies and see how they can, you can overall, you know, in, enhance the, you know, the operations. Um, but you, you got to look within yourself first in your own company and say, hey, what, what are we doing? Did we, did we do something wrong? So I think that makes it, that conversation more productive when you reach out and say, hey, I just want to get your guys' information on what happened. Absolutely. Yeah, if you can... You can be humble and, and, and definitely show everybody that you, you're willing to, to let your mistakes show or let your scars show. Uh, that goes a long way in, in getting the trust of those around you as you move forward and trying to get everybody better. Um, so we're hitting about the hour and a half mark, um, just about coming up on it. You guys, we'll talk about some future pods. Uh, like we said before, we're going to try to keep it around the one, one and a half hour range. Um, we don't have... Any names to give you guys right now or future guests, but uh, we're going to hit on a lot of stuff. And like we said earlier, we're going to um, – it might be Zisk. It might be just, just Grant. It might be all three of us, depending on our schedules. We are all on different schedules, so it works out a little bit like that. Um, one of the last things I wanted to hit on with you guys, um, I know we wanted kind of more of like a firehouse coffee table kind of atmosphere, um, is what are you guys reading right now? I know we're all pretty big readers um, even though we're all pretty busy. So what are you guys uh, reading right now? So we'll just go around and then I'll finish up and then we can kind of hit our last little end for it. Great. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, I've, I'm in a reflection time right now. We um, we are getting ready. I said 
getting ready to put on some new hires and um something I've tried to do uh with the help of just a ton of people is to put together a firefighter manual for our department and um just taking everything I've learned from all the people that I feel uh you know have something really good to share and and put it in one spot um, and so we've kind of done away with with using ISTA or any any of the uh the firefighter one and two manuals um and and even so much as is that uh now we're going to use this document for promotional testing uh last year we used it for probies and it worked great for the probies but then we had other guys saying hey that's the probie manual why do i need to know that now um we're just making it the way we do business and so it's been a real good time of reflection but i'm uh i'm kind of all in on that right now the the second revision and and making sure we've got uh you know, just just everything the way we want it. What are you guys putting in there, Grant? Where are you, uh, like Andrew Fredericks, all that kind of stuff? I mean, just compiling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, we we've got uh, stuff specific to our department, um, stations and rig information that can be tested on. But then we've got best practices. We've got our our playbook, countywide playbook, is in there. We've got our writing assignments. We've got our high rise plan. We have our hose. This is the hose we're using and why we did it. Um, we're, these are the nozzles we have and why we chose these nozzles. And we're trying to put all that in because, you know, 10 years from now, uh, you know, if some of us are gone and, and the guys have a time to reflect, you know, they're saying, hey, why are we even using this crap? You know, we selected these forcible entry tools for this reason. We selected this hose for this reason. This hose matches this nozzle. And we're trying to go through A through Z. And even as much as uh, this is how we're going to stretch off of our rig, you know, the options for stretching. Um, this is how we're going to do uh, searches. You know, we've got oriented, vent enter search, and and, um, and uh, engine-based search. And these are the situations when you're going to use them. And when we really break it down, uh, into simple terms like that, it, it, it makes for a good teachable unit. And we're at like 186 pages now. Uh, so I'm pretty proud of it. Once we get this next one done, cause we're gonna add a lot of the, uh, a lot of our reference material in there, where we got the stuff originally, um, mm-hmm. is the only way to do business. And then, uh, I'm, I'm gonna share it to whoever wants it. Um, cause, you know, man, if I started the fire service with 200 pages of everything everybody knew before me, I mean, that would, we're setting the people up for success. Yeah, I, I think that's perfect. I I think uh, that's great with the why. We just did a SCBA evaluation. We ended up going to do SCOPs. And um, we're in SCOPs currently. We're going to continue with the SCOPs. But we did novel things over a year ago. And, you know, typically, I think in the past with a lot of departments, it was, you know, whoever was working in the in the logistics, in logistics or working at the, the shop, and he just said, ah, oh, we're going to do this. You know, no one really put in the writing, hey, why why we did this? And in 15 years, someone no one knows why, and they just want to make a change. Um, I think that's great. I think that's good for your department to uh, hold on to that. And luckily, we just did that with our SCBA stuff, so we'll have a, God, I don't even want to know. I think it's like 400-page document, <laughs> you know, in terms of, you know, surveys and what we looked at, pictures, you know, videos, all that stuff. So I think that's, that's beneficial for folks to look back on. Um, in terms of... Uh, in terms of what I'm reading right now, um, I'm, I'm reading uh, Marcus Aurelius's Meditations, which uh, I kind of picked up watching a little bit of, reading a little bit about uh, 
James Mattis. I know he, ha- he keeps it with him at all times. Um, I got a whole bunch of books on the bookshelf from fire stuff to military leadership and fiction. Uh, and then also I'm, I'm going back to school. So I got some fire science stuff that'll be kicking off. So I'll have to kind of put my books to the side and kind of focus on the, um, you know, fire protection systems and go through building construction again. So that's currently what's, uh, what's on my plate the next few months. Nice. Um, I'm kind of on this. I guess split between all sorts of stuff. I'm reading uh, Perfect Hell. It's the story of the Black Devils who were the forefathers of special forces. I found it in a used bookstore. The wife and I like to peruse used bookstores and just spend hours in there like giant nerds we are. Um, anybody that's in a leadership, The Score Takes Care of Itself by Bill Walsh. Um, I mean, that's I don't think I've read a better leadership book so far because um, it just talks about standards of performance and there's such a huge crossover to the fire service. Um, showing that the little things matter as you move forward uh, in your progression and getting better at the job and how you operate in the fire ground. And then um, the the one I'm rereading right now is the combat position and the uh, the fundamentals uh, from Fire Service Warrior. I know probably all three of us. I know Zisk and I are definitely hugely influenced yeah. by uh, by Chris Brennan Absolutely. and uh, you know Brian Brush and Gary Lane and Leo and all those guys uh, and what they're doing. If you guys don't have a chance. Uh, hopefully we can publish the link with the um, the podcast where you can go back and buy the fundamentals that Chris uh, is, is selling again. He's got a new um, web page, and I, I, it's, I'm actually really interested in his new endeavors. I'd like to have him on maybe on. talk about his, his new endeavors and see where he's going from that. Um, I I put something on Facebook the other day how fire service warrior. I went from I went from thinking I was into the job. To being into the job because of those guys, um, you know, I thought I was really squared away. In I, I was heading there, but I wasn't really in the position where these guys were, and they really pushed me to another level that I probably don't think I would have gotten on um, just by myself. Were um, Grant? Were you influenced by the fire service warrior guys by oh, yeah. running them? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it, it, so much so that we um, we started buying the, that book for the new guys. Uh, in our department, we have to find them on Amazon, um, but <laughs> but uh, and on eBay. But yeah, no doubt, because I, I, I've always been into the job. You know, I want to I want to go to fires and hey, let's go do some live burns and and stuff like that. But the the depth of thought that went into pre fire or pre arrival with those guys just blew me away. And uh, yeah, <laughs> and I, I, I I don't know, it's it's, it's unbelievable. Their, their writing, their writing, just between all of them was just phenomenal. I mean, just the little things you never even thought about um, that they don't even in you know some of the books I have you know you know Freed's books or William Clark's um, mountains of information, and then just Brian Brush or Gary Lane pick out this one little thing you would have never thought about, and you're just like, man, that just changed my whole thinking of all of this stuff. And I'll tell you, those guys, and this this might be a good topic for another one when we don't even have a guest, uh, but they were the first ones to not say what you would expect to read in, like, Essentials of Firefighting, uh, that it's okay to, to throw a ladder, fly in. <laughs> you know, it's okay to do these things because it actually works better. Um, and, and I think they really changed the fire service and say, it's, it's all right, let's, let's check how we do business and, and actually say the most efficient method. Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I'm not going to even 
add any more to what you guys really said. It was started. It, it catapulted my career uh, to another level. Just just the reading it, itself uh, brought me into weightlifting. Um, brought me into just so many other things. I, I can't say enough. It's it's just, it's uh, kind of sucks they're still not around, but I think um, they left an indelible mark on the fire service for obviously probably thousands of us. So um, grateful that they were around. So. Yeah, I still find it odd that I, last weekend I was hanging out with Gary Lane. I'm like, this is a guy whose stuff I was reading that I was blown away by. It's still a weird position in my fire service career. <laughs> um, so as as we wrap it up, um, hope you guys enjoyed the first episode of what we hope is something to come. There's not going to be, you know, a, a regular schedule as we're going to try to record as many things we can with as many people and try to piece them together and put them out with three of us. It's it's a little bit easier. Um, especially since we're not going to do them all together to kind of package stuff and send it out to the masses. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to do a lot of good with this, but I think it'll be good on your drives and, like Grant said, on your workouts and other things like that. So, you know, I'll pass it to the other guys to say a little closing, but uh, I appreciate everybody listening, and then uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Grant, you want to say something, and then on the disc. No, I uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm honored to be part of this one. And uh, I think you hit it all. Yeah, honored to be a part of it as well. Uh, looking forward to learning from hopefully hundreds of people and uh, just looking to, to get this thing started. I think we can hopefully help push the fire service forward and um, hopefully everyone learns something from us. So looking forward to get going. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next time.